A wife cheats on her husband, yet he still waits for her, pays to get her back, watches in agony as she steps all over his heart on her way out. Not a show on HBO, not a series on Cinemax. This is a book in the Bible, vivid, dysfunctional, rated not for the romantic story. This is a story for modern love songs. You know the ones that talk about, you've left me and I cannot go on, but I still need you. Or there's no one like you even though you broke my heart. Yeah, all those things we try to shield our kids away from. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the life and times of Hosea. Only difference is, we are his wife, the lying, cheating, adulterous wife. And we still refuse to know what love is all about. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University. I'm Falvo Fowler and we're back at Andrews University. Every time I think this is going to be the last show and we're moving the show, something happens where we're supposed to record and we come back here and the hosts and the folks at ILS rescue us. So we're grateful for that. I am grateful for that. And for the hosts who will now introduce uh, themselves, not ourselves, but themselves. <laughs> and let's see, what, else, what haven't you told us so far? Uh, your favorite instrument. Or what instrument can you play? Start with them. We'll start with Sarah. <laughs> oh, man. Point a finger, it comes back at you. <laughs> well, my name is Sarah May Cologne. Hey. Hey, and Sarah. <laughs> and, well, I grew up playing way more intelligent-like instruments. Not that this is an intelligent one, but I just got an accordion recently, and so I just make lots of noise and walk around the house. <laughs> it's really quite terrifying. I can, I can picture that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Hey, I'm Andrew Campbell from the Cayman Islands, studying here at Andrews University. An instrument that I can play is the alto saxophone. Uh, we got to get that on camera somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And you would be? I just My heard about this one. <coughs> what did you hear about Go me? Go ahead. <laughs> Your brother was here. He told us. Go ahead. Oh, he already... Oh. <laughs> well, my name is Ika, yeah. and... Um, I learned the recorder when I was a kid. Right. Yes, and but I what do you play? Every moment of it. <laughs> and you play the, the organ. Come on. I do. Yeah, see? I do. But I haven't played it. I we gotta get you guys. We gotta get you on. Organ. We gotta get you on on tape somehow. Yeah, we, 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 we should like video. bring an organ in here and yeah. then the, the organ, the accordion, and the sax. And yes, <laughs> we need help. That would be amazing. Andrew, if you could read scripture, and since you've been since you're married into the Norwegian culture, I'm hoping by now you can pray in Norwegian. All right, excellent. Let's do that. The key text is Hosea 2 verse 23. It says, "I will plant for her myself in the land. I will show my people to the one I called, not." my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Let's pray. Shara Gud, tak for at du har gitt oss Bibelen. Tak for at vi kan bli kjent med deg ved å lese ditt ord. Jeg ber om at du må fylle oss med din hellige ånd, slik at vi kan lære mer om deg. Amen. Amen. Well, I think it sounded good, but I haven't heard Norwegian before. 
Okay, so the book of Hosea, it starts off, and we're starting this new study on, they call them the, uh, the minor prophets. I, I don't like that term. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go with the 12 prophets mm -hmm. or the brief prophets, either, not so much minor. But we start with the book of Hosea, right? Um, idolatry all over the place, God's people. This wasn't, any, this wasn't something where people came in and did stuff. This is God's people, His yeah. chosen. Um, they're involved with idolatry. They're bowing down to statues. In what ways can idolatry today uh, be subtle and deceptive? I mean, I don't, it's not like we're bowing to idols, mm -hmm. but idolatry still exists even among, even in churches in some places, in Christian groups. Mm -hmm. Where do you see that? You know, I think um, the, the idea of idolatry being bowing down to statues and, and idols um, is almost a, a way that the devil kind of lets modern-day idolatry go unchecked. Because you have this idea that, oh, well, you know, I'm not bowing down to a statue, so I'm not idolatrous. But you have many other ways um, today, and it, you know, when you're pursuing things like uh, fame and money and... Um, Ministry. Even that. Um, it, you know, when, when you're doing it with the wrong motive, um, then it can become a form of idolatry. To become a little more specific on mm. what you said, um, or maybe a little more philosophical either way, mm. um, what I find in, in the ancient cultures, why was it so, I mean, we wouldn't bow down to any eye, why was it so deceiving to them, or why did they do that? Because it was the cultural paradigm of the time. Mm. Everybody did it. Okay. It was just mm. how everybody functioned with life. Everybody functioned with deities in their life. And so it was very natural just to assume what the surrounding what the surroundings dictated upon you. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I think we are so entrenched in our surroundings that we usually can't even see from within mm -hmm. what the idolatry is. Yeah. In our so, Western world, that would be materialism, politics. individualism. Um, <laughs> politics. <laughs> I, the extreme, I'd say the extreme politics. I, I'd <laughs> say politics can be one thing, certainly. But I haven't even take that. Some people aren't involved in politics, but yet our culture dictates that we are incredibly individualistic. Mm -hmm. I have to fend for myself. I need to promote myself. I need to get my own job. I, I need to, even, even in, in marriage, we mm -hmm. say you have to find your spouse. You have to do it, and you have yeah. to find that true love. And the paradigm back then was very different. Paradigms have shifted. But that same thing that we are bound by our culture is so per pervasive that we don't even realize how entrenched we are. One thing you can pick up from like the, what he was saying is how many times he said, I, I, me, you know, I have to. And, and essentially the idolatry today is oftentimes, Self. yeah, mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of having an, a wooden image or, or a gold image itself. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I think a lot of the sneaky idolatrous things are things that we can't explain to other people or are invisible. They're not visible to other people. And so it happens within the safety of your home or like your thoughts or, yes. Yeah, I, th I mean, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, I agree with well, all you, mm -hmm. the three of you said so far in the show. It'll all change soon. But uh, <laughs> you know, I agree with what you're saying. I think uh, what Andrew said initially, it's, it's not the, the more evident. It's not like an idol there. It's like screw mm -hmm. tape letters. It's don't get the evident. Mm -hmm. You try for something subtle mm -hmm. and deceptive to mm -hmm. come in. And what you were saying is the idea of the things, they're, they're invisible, but they've become so much of who we are that we don't even know, notice them or recognize mm -hmm. them as being idols. Mm -hmm. and what Ica said about, you know, the, the, the culture influenced the children of Israel at that time. Mm -hmm. So the question then was, what is the culture today influencing us 
and, and I guess an idol is anything where we take the, our eyes away from God yeah. and put more mm-hmm. importance on it, think yeah. that's going to sustain us. Yeah. And, and it's something that, that we just carry almost innately without thinking, thinking about it a second mm-hmm. time that might even be disguised as something very appropriate. Mm-hmm. I, I, for myself, I try to imagine how would a completely different culture, the reverse culture of the culture that I live in, how would they evaluate my culture? Now, I'm mm-hmm. not an expert on that other culture, but how, what would they criticize in that yeah. culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would an Asian culture criticize in my culture? They would say, well, you just put the old people in the retirement home. Why do we do that? Mm. Because we have to advance our career. Mm-hmm. What would a mm. Middle Eastern culture say to us? They would say, we're tribal. We don't even want a democracy. We trust a leader that is benevolent and takes care of us. Mm. Now, we look down upon it and say, well, that's not democratic. And while I love to be in a democracy, there also the, the mm-hmm. whole basis of democracy is that everybody has an equal voice, and that is mm-hmm. good, but everybody has an, the, not everybody has the same equal good for others in mind. That's true. Mm. And, and so there are differences. And how would others criticize? And maybe that leads me to reflect my own culture and see some of the idols that I don't realize anymore. Mm-hmm. So here we have the idolatrous uh, nation that God has chosen, the ones whose followers. Let's say they are similar to the church today, right? But at that time and time, God sent warnings, sent prophets. How does he do that today? Mm. I mean, it's not like we have, a, you don't, we don't have somebody come on a little, you know, flowing robe or, you know, uh, an almond we? stick and saying, well, I'm going to part yeah. the, you know, St. Joseph River or, you know, Niagara Falls and then you'll know I'm from the Lord or something like this. Mm-hmm. How do you work? I mean, do you go back and do you find it in scripture? How does, how does God speak today? I think he how does he call out, so. call you out for, out of idolatry? I think he uses people, people, I mean, and yeah, because I mean, Andrew can hold me accountable for something, you know, he can point out something, um, Ica can as well, sometimes you. Um, feel the love. <laughs> just kidding, but I mean, we're called out by people, and I think, I was having a conversation earlier today, actually, about how sometimes conflict helps, because you actually have to face things, and you have to sort through things, and you have to, like, check yourself. If you're not willing to have a conversation with someone or if you're not willing to like debate something out, then you can't actually grow. But there, there's there's a, a certain responsibility that calling and that discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't come and say, well, Sarah, your T-shirt, I got to tell you, dear, mm. Jesus doesn't love you in that T-shirt. I've mm. had that conversation. I've had that conversation <laughs> when I was a teacher. Well, not with me, but when I, when I was growing up, I had this this missionary lady come put her arm around me and says, do you know you're going to go to hell because you're listening to this kind of music? I'm like, I thought we didn't believe in hell. She goes, that isn't the point. I'm like, okay, what is that at this point? You know, it's the, the way that, and it's a lot of those people think, approach. if I can tell you how bad you are, then I'm helping you. But that's mm. where relationships come in, though. And I think the key is having good relationships with people. And a healthy relationship is one where you can point out mm. things. And I think in ministry and in life, you need to have that. I, I think you're making a good point. And I think, Finally. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I think one of the things that we have that perhaps they did not have I mean, they definitely didn't have is, is um, Jesus okay. because because Jesus is you know the actual human um, form of of God, mm-hmm. um, and and so you have an actual example that you mm-hmm. can you can look at and you say this is perfection, you know, and right. and, and so you can see um, when I compare myself or, or when I compare Sarah or Ike or to to Jesus, then all of a sudden you can see areas that need to be improved. Mm-hmm. And so now I, when I 
judge you or when I judge myself, I'm not judging according to some arbitrary standard. Mm -hmm. um, we're all supposed to be keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can go with that to a point. Uh -huh. I can, under, I, I can uh -huh. agree with you uh -huh. on a point, but that, how do you have all these denominations and different, these different variances of, of Jesus because everybody's looking at Jesus, but they're choosing, and I think that's where the children of Israel are, is you see God to a point where God does not uh, mess up what you want to do. Mm. And I think it, idolatry, in my opinion, I think idolatry steps in that point is, okay, I'll love God as long as I don't have to spend all Sabbath with Him. If I can just do it the two hours in church and the mm -hmm. rest of the day is, hey, I, I got a party I got to get to. Well, and I think t tying into that, we, we rationalize whatever yeah. point of view we want to endorse. Mm -hmm. So. Jesus had to be democratic. He, he, and the the Protestant, uh, the the Christian Protestant areas of the world have gone into basically democratic models based on some issues and some ideas that underlie mm. uh, philosophies and all of that about the individual. Uh, other countries will say, well, there's a very different side to Jesus, or my Jesus is this, your Jesus is that. We can rationalize that. We can rationalize slavery. We can rationalize mm -hmm. all kinds of things with mm -hmm. the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the danger is that we just force our view of Jesus upon him yeah. rather than critically analyzing where we are. Mm -hmm. I think to add another point to this, um, I disagree with the opening question that you had in saying that <laughs> prophets came to warn us. Mm. I think that's not their primary concern. That's what happens once in a while, and maybe a lot of them actually uh, did have these warning messages, but a lot of them also had very comforting messages, mm. very, very much messages that brought God near. So I see a prophet so not as somebody who just brings, Thou shalt you're die? Do, you're doing something wrong, this mm. is the warning, and otherwise I'm going... No, it's a message from God, and, and sometimes these messages are very hopeful and very positive, mm -hmm. and sometimes they are very threatening. I love what you brought there, you know? We look at Scripture through all these eyes, through all these directions that we've been forced to look at. So when you look at a, at a prophet, it wasn't so much to tell people how bad they were. It was more like, a, more pastoral. Mm -hmm. Let's get you, let's get you, guide you back to mm -hmm. where you're safer, mm -hmm. or where you're, you'll know how, what life's all about. Mm -hmm. And, and in some ways, that message, the, the draw of the messages, there is a warning with it, but the actual draw of the message is God cares about you enough to intervene. Mm -hmm. And this is the message that I'm sending you. And mm -hmm. all these prophets are filled with hope, even the most devastating. One of them is Nahum. Mm -hmm. Devastating messages. Yeah. And yet there is this incredible message of hope throughout it. Mm -hmm. That's always the drawing point. There are some things that I need to talk about, but the basic message is always... I want to draw you back to me. Mm -hmm. And so this basic idea of warning, a prophet is just here to tell us the end of the world, is not true. And people that emphasize that, they, they miss out on this other picture. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where I disagree a bit with what Sarah May said. Prophets tell people, even though they don't have a personal relationship, something is going wrong. Mm. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> no, but today I think we need to have relationship and we need to know people. But there's also a point where we just say, categorically, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with our society that mm. I can criticize, even though I don't know you personally. Okay, I, fine. But I mean, I agree with you so far. Um, but have you noticed when it comes to people who know God, and I'm not just saying the Christians, it's almost anybody that professes a knowledge of God, they mm -hmm. tend, they, the people that they call out on sin mm -hmm. are not those who are of their faith. It's usually mm -hmm. the other guy. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm watching, I'm watching a, a, a Christian channel, and there's a gentleman, the pastor that comes up and says, HBO, that's Hell's Box Office, and Cinemax is Sin to the Max. I'm like, dude, they don't even profess to know God. Why are you picking on them? We have enough people within our church who you can actually say, but we won't do that. It's not like I go to the pastor of my church and say, here are the things I think we can work on. Mm. But instead, we all focus on the people that don't profess. Mm-hmm. And here you got God that comes and tells Hosea, you're not going to pr- preach to the Assyrians or the, anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're taking you back to yeah. point out within my people mm-hmm. the cancer. So what does God do? Well, can I just piggyback on what you said? Because I think that's the, that's Let's the key. Let's go. <laughs> I think that's... Why stop now? <laughs> that's, that's actually the key to the book of Hosea, I think. Because in chapter 4, um, and starting in verse 4 to verse 8 and 9, mm-hmm. the whole point that Hosea is saying is... I'm not worried about the people at all. I'm worried about the priests. Mm. You're the ones that are fault. Leave the people alone. They don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even, they don't even know who I am at the moment, and I'll reach them in some way. What I'm upset about is that you, the priests who should know, are using your power to increase your sacrifices for material goods. You're saying, everybody needs to sacrifice so I get a bigger share of mm-hmm. the portion. Mm-hmm. And the book of Hosea is addressed specifically to the religious people, not Mm. to the people out there, as you're saying. Mm. And we like to do that. We like to point fingers at our neighbors. Well, they haven't gotten their act together. They're living in a relationship, and they're doing this and that. And that's not who God is really... in, in, In some ways, Hosea is really talking about the people that profess a Christian faith. The administration. And think they live it, but they don't. Okay. I think that is the message of actually all of the 12 will we'll end yeah. up with Malachi mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's the same thing again yeah. in mm-hmm. even stronger sarcasm because it's again the priests mm-hmm. that, that are at fault. So that'll wrap up probably, I, I'm already looking for, <laughs> forward Keep to the 13th, going. but um, I think that is the thing. It, it is, we like to make them about somebody else and mm-hmm. you're not living a righteous life and, mm-hmm. and look at all the bad things that mm-hmm. happened in Amos and all of that. And it's actually more about us than it is about looking at somebody else. And here I like what Jesus says, you know, don't, don't take out the the splinter in somebody's eye. Mm -hmm. If you have have the whole forest in yours. (laughs) (laughs) And and so these should be passages that we should read and and try to see the cultural setting back then, and how much they apply actually to us today, Mm. and how we are in that exact same situation. The uh, the story uh, reading Hosea as many times as I've read through the scriptures. Um, it was this time while I was studying for this lesson, I realized that there's one commentator that said that, that Gomer was not so much the prostitute in the word, way we use the word today. Can we say prostitute on the Hope Channel? Uh, the <laughs> prostitute, as, as we know it today, it was, um, she was more a temple prostitute. So all that she did sexually was tied into the religious services of Baal. Oh. Mm. And so when I looked at that perspective, I'm like, I've never looked at it that way. Because I grew up in a culture where in some places they still have that. And there's a devotion to the God that allows them to do this. And so no matter where you pull that person to, Mm -hmm. unless they've had a life-changing spiritual change, they're still going back to the idol worship form of sexuality. And in in our world today, that's similar. Mm -hmm. If you're not spiritually changed, you can continue going to whichever idol you worship. Mm -hmm. And that interferes with 
the, the calling. And, and I think they're often so subtle. I mean, it was subtle for the people back then. Uh, mm -hmm. They said to offer something to the God, we have to give our, our, our utmost, right? Mm -hmm. right? And, and that for them, as in today, we would say it's, it's the most reserved thing, the most private thing. This is the, that's, that's the one mm -hmm. thing we give a, give a spouse when we marry, that, that privacy, that, that intimacy. Mm -hmm. We give intimacy to God. Isn't that, mm -hmm. isn't that what they... And mm -hmm. so it was, we, we look at it as something very bad because it's so far out of our right. cultural mm -hmm. norm, but for them it was very... For us today, is it pride? Right. Or is it power? Or is it power? I mean, aren't, what is the, okay, what is the currency the that we exchange on? Because there they had, they had an idolatry. You, this is, you know, sexuality was part of the, the, the worship experience or everything or else. Mm -hmm. So what, is, what do we have that's... I, idolatrous in some ways. What's the currency that we use? I see power, mm -hmm. not necessarily money. Mm -hmm. I see the connections we use. Yeah. And every time it comes closer to a change in leadership or something, you see those, those power connections, things mm -hmm. come in. What else do we see that, that mm -hmm. hinders our relationship with God? You know, the Bible basically breaks sin down into like three categories. It's like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what you're saying, you know, that really falls into the third category, you know. Mm -hmm. But then you have the other two categories where it's like, you know, fleshly desires, mm -hmm. you know, where you talk about appetite and sexual passions and, and so forth. And then you have, you know, the lust of the eyes, you know, you know, mm -hmm. covetousness is kind of like the, the sin that mm -hmm. really... But, but okay, isn't it even that. more than that? We, we always say that the, the lust of the eyes is mm. just uh, sexual. And, and I'm not disagree disagreeing, but, but isn't it the TV shows that we watch? Mm -hmm. the yeah, time that the choices we make, the, yeah. The computer, the, I, I the movies that we watch. I would actually say that sexual stuff actually comes under, you know, lust of the flesh. Okay, you know, but mm. we're going this. Again, we're doing, looking at all of these things, and we're doing this because this is our usual pattern, not us, mm. but our usual train of thought. Mm -hmm. I came to a realization that when you look at, when you look at the way Christ functioned, mm. he called 12 people to do a three-year ministry. Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as a managerial style, he was overstaffed and they were underworked because now we take one person and ask them to do all these things and pull them away from family time and personal time and all of that stuff and say, now you go do ministry. Is that idolatry in a, in a way? Can mm. ministry be idolatry? Mm. When, you, it, when you yeah. understaff and you overwork. Because yeah. if you follow the example of Christ, he didn't do that with his disciples. Yeah. I think yeah. I get really overwhelmed by the concepts of ministry sometimes because I, I know I've worked in ministry for several years now and we get so distracted by someone, I think Leonard Sweet um, in one of his books says that we get so busy working for Jesus that we forget to work with Jesus. <laughs> and um, it's one of those things where we're so focused on getting all these programs in line and all these things in line that we forget about why we're doing them or who we're doing them for or with. Mm. And um, our focus gets skewed and then we start getting the praise to ourselves, like, look what I did. And then we get more focused mm -hmm. inwardly and at our ability to do more programs and more everything else. And it's, be al it's almost like what we do with the Sabbath, you know, in the Sabbath, we end up putting so many meetings and, and programs on, on the Sabbath that it ends up not being a day of rest, but mm -hmm. actually a day where you have stacked everything that you would rather not do, do during the week. Or you mm -hmm. want to take the time out to do it during yeah. the week. Mm -hmm. Or I spend the entire week so busy that on Sabbath the only thing I can do is sleep to yeah. recover from that. Um, is, is that really a meaningful relationship? And maybe mm. sometimes I think God actually accepts us at that point. And I really appreciate that about God. But I think He also wants to move us further. The thing that I think is, I, don't, I, don't, I think everybody needs to define it for themselves. Mm -hmm. In South America or Central America, uh, pastors have 17, 30 churches, mm. anywhere between there. 
Are they are they understaffed? No, people the, the expectations are less. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if we have less expectations, then more people step up and actually yes. say, let's right. do crowdsourcing, to, so right. to speak. Mm -hmm. Let's let's become volunteers. But have so it's it's one thing of ministry, yeah. but I think there's also the other side. Um, that we become so selfish with mm -hmm. our time as church members, and that's what I'm at at the moment, mm -hmm. that we don't contribute that much anymore. And, and we say, well, the pastor, I'm paying my tithe, so, right? So mm -hmm. the pastor should do We're all the work Malachi, that I yes. should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so we have all these different things, and that's why I think it's a very personal thing mm -hmm. um, where we have our One, adultery and it's, it's different things. Now in Hosea you see that the priests, and we're, that's why the pastorship and ministry comes in, but you see the priests knew, knew about God. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? Or is there a difference? Can I just interject? I think in a new Why Testament. stop now? <laughs> I think it's on a we'd, roll today. We wouldn't just say ministry. We'd say everybody, right? Everybody is okay. a priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. Right, so now, that's why I think okay. we should keep it broad. Yeah. Let's just keep, to yes. keep that trajectory. Yeah. In the Old Testament, it was them, and now it's all of us, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? I think when you talk about knowing God, you're talking about having a relationship with Him. You know, I can I can know a lot about you as a person. You know, I can I can know your family. Can I can know. You. Yeah. The, Unfortunately, this is not so true. <laughs> None of it's true. <laughs> but then, you know, if I don't have a relationship with you, then it's it, that's really what it has come down to: just knowing a lot of facts about you, rather and, than and also hearsay. And also, if you hang out with people who know me, mm -hmm. then you get to know not just the, the part of me that yeah. I let you see, but you get to see, yeah. unfortunately, the other sides of people. Have to. <laughs> I have a friend in, in who lives in Washington State, and I hope she stays there because she's got stories <laughs> I don't want anybody to know. But but yeah, you know, the, if, the more you get to know people, the more time you mm -hmm. get to spend. Yeah. Now, Sarah's got a question here that she will read. Oh, well, that's kind of, okay, it's a practical one, I guess we'll go to this. So, how do we get out of this adulterous way within our church? Like a practical mm -hmm. application, I feel like we've kind of... And what were you raising your hand for before? Well, I was just saying, I, I think you brought up, both of you brought up something about empowering people. You know, I think we get so inwardly focused in ministry and in leadership mm -hmm. that we forget that we are all here together and that we need to empower each other. Like you brought up the example of disciples, you know. Jesus was empowering people mm -hmm. to learn on their own and to continue to be a part on. Of it all. Yeah, yeah, it's not just one person. Yes. Yeah, it's not just one person that can dictate what you believe in. It's about a personal thing, and we're not empowering people enough or showing them how to be a disciple mm. practically or how to follow God. So, and I think at the end of the day, you know, the message of Hosea is yes, these people are, you know, so far gone. They're adulterous, but God's message is, I still love you. I want, I want you, you back. back. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so we, we, you know, we spent a lot of time today discussing about how, you know, idolatry is, is in our world and in our church mm -hmm. um, today. But even though we've gone far from, from God, he, He's calling us back. He's yeah. always wanting us to come I, back. Actually, that, that was a desire. I wanted to do kind of the same thing that you were doing. You read my mind. Um, I think <laughs> the amazing shift is, is that God first call says, you don't have a relationship with me. You're, so call your children, not my people. Mm. Mm. There's separation. You're not part of me, and, and you have separated yourself. But then he right. says, and I will call you my children again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this, that's I am here, mm -hmm. and I want, you, I want to be drawn in. And I think that transformational character is the essence of that book. Mm -hmm. And that might be the, an answer to your question. All right, got a Facebook page. You guys have more to say. Get on there and right. say it. I mean, we're running out of time. Oh, no. Thank you, as always. This has taken me in places we didn't know. We didn't cover some of the questions, but that's okay. <laughs> this is great stuff. I'm going to go back and read the book again. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.com.
www.sabbathschool.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. It helps us know that somebody's watching and it helps us develop programs. So visit us on Facebook. Thank you, and we'll see you next week when he's going to do the show. That would be Andrew. See you again. <laughs>